1: Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva Presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides
0: and seconds with Canva Presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Well, Merry Christmas, buddy. Same to you. Yeah, so obviously this is Christmas Day. We hope that... Maybe in, there's like a Christmas ham going on inside the house, right? Like, like f- amazing flavors wafting through the house. Maybe you're outside in the cold, shoveling some snow. Basically, it's like Depends a, where you live. It's like a Norman Rockwell painting, <laughs> except for uh, earbuds. You've got those in your ears. Right. <laughs> those did not exist back then. And you're like, what are Matt and Joel even doing <laughs> working on Christmas Day? Are they like Ebony's or Scrooge? They don't take the day no, off? No, of course. Yeah, okay. we've recorded this ahead of time. But we did want to make sure that you had an episode here in case you were. say, outside working, uh, shoveling snow or something like that like that. Maybe you're on the road to visit family, loved ones, some friends. But uh, we've got an episode here to line up for you uh, where we are busting up some of the different credit myths that exist out there. Yeah. This is uh, one of our bestie
1: episodes. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of bogus information when it comes to getting your credit score right. It's such an important part of your personal financial life. And so we figured, hey, why not on Christmas Day? We'll, we'll toss this one out there. So thank you as always for listening to the show. We hope you enjoy this bestie. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are busting up some credit score myths.
0: Credit scores, baby. Everybody's got one. It's kind of like a belly button. Kind of like a belly button. Oh, it makes me think of uh, Everyone Poops. <laughs> do, 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 do you know that book? I, I, yes, I do. I think that book's on my mind because we are considering potty training Westy to cut out diapers from
1: our uh, our monthly grocery budget. Wouldn't that Dude. be nice? My goodness. Oh, my. Are y'all thinking about doing that soon? Yeah, we'd I mean, like to. It's But the, the problem is, you know, you have three girls, I have two girls, and everybody says it's so much easier to potty train girls. So I'm like we, really nervous about potty training a boy. Yeah, we've pulled
0: down the, the little Ikea green, the green and white little uh-huh. Ikea potty. Got the same one. Westy's totally interested in it. Uh, we just haven't pulled the plug yet, but I told Kate, the last package of diapers that we just got. I was like, that is it. Like, <laughs> let's commit. Let's do it. We're going to cold turkey, do the thing where, you know, there's this whole approach. I don't want to go into Takes detail. It's like a full
1: weekend of dedication. Yeah. Baby. Like there's
0: this approach where you just go cold turkey and you just let them go. All eyes they're... on the little dude. <laughs> <laughs> and basically they don't like that feeling of having just soiled themselves. And so they quickly learn like even like even at night, no pull ups, nothing like that. Just like everyone poops. Everyone does have a credit
1: score. And that's what we're talking about today. That's right. Yeah. But before we get to that real quick, Matt, I just want to mention it. Is the beginning of spring right now, basically, like warmer weather. And what happens when the weather gets warm? The flowers are blooming. That's true. But uh, also the bugs come out, right? That, that and true. so, especially in the South, like I just had a tenant uh, email me the other day and she's like, hey, by the way, I want to let you know, starting to see some more bug activity at the house, which is my reminder that it's time to spray for bugs. and for some DIY pest control. Exactly. We've talked about this a few times over the years, but it's worth revisiting because, yeah, I wrote an article up on our site at howtomoney.com just telling people how to do it themselves. And it's amazing how much money you can save because a lot of our listeners are probably paying something like a $100 a quarter to a pest control company to come for a quarterly spraying. So let's say you're spending $400 a year to combat bugs, um, to keep them out of your house. Well, you can DIY it and literally... You will shell out no no more than, and actually less than, a hundred dollars, uh, in the beginning, and that supply the sprayer and the chemicals. And this is not the chemical that you can buy at Home Depot, by the way. This is the chemicals that the pros use. You yeah, can the- get both for for like you know roughly in the range of seventy bucks. Yeah, and you're not just buying like a little spray bottle to like, you know, spray a bug that you <laughs> right. see, like,
0: like this is like uh, professional grade stuff. And we, we crunched the numbers on it too. And literally once, after you get that, you're only using something like $2 worth of chemicals over the course of a year. Yeah. And so you're looking at uh, $400 versus $2 a year
1: after that upfront cost, and it's easy to see that you are quickly going to be able to come out ahead. And I think most people might hear that and they're like, well, there's got to be a catch, right? Like, uh, it, something's in fear in this process. Or, you know what? I don't think I'm going to know, be able to know how to do this. And fortunately, there are instructional videos on you know some of these websites where they will show you how to do it properly. And really, honestly, um, if any dummy can do it. <laughs> so it's, it's not something that takes special skills. Or anything like that, and and just considering how much money it can save you in one fell swoop, um, we're all kind of faced with higher rates of inflation, higher costs on almost everything these uh, right now. If you're looking to save money in a big way, in just like one fell swoop, this is definitely one thing to look at. Yeah, absolutely, and something else I gotta tell listeners about: have we have we talked about about my uh, bug assault
0: gun uh, on the show before? <laughs> oh, you know you're what talking about, talking about the one that blows air? No, it's this one that shoots salt. Oh, so that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so I got this for Christmas, and it is the coolest thing. It's this little, uh, so basically it's like a little pump shotgun, <laughs> but it's, a, it's made of plastic, it's a toy, and it's got a little uh, canister, and you pour table salt in there, like like a tablespoon or two tablespoons worth of literally table salt. You close it up, you pump it, and when you shoot it, it literally shoots out like a little blast of a little bit of salt. Kind of like a shotgun pellet? It's, it's literally a shotgun for bugs <laughs> that shoots salt. And so this is the most fun I have ever had, taking down little houseflies in my house. I will link to it uh, in our show notes because... Literally, it is so fun. It's, it's way more fun than the, than the old bug zapper down in South Georgia, <laughs> <laughs> which very few people are aware of uh, what I'm talking about here. But aside from the DIY pest control, if you want to get yourself a bug assault. Gun, I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, I mean, it does sound like fun. I might have to get one, dude, just for the sheer joy. Uh,
0: next time y'all are over, and there's a little housefly or a gnat or something like that, let, let me take it. I'll out. let you have a shot with it because okay. it is a ton of fun. Good, I appreciate that. And it's just salt. And so you miss, or even if you don't miss, you know, you pick up the fly, but then like all the salt, it just kind of disperses a little bit. But it's salt. It's like it's not that big of a deal yeah. if there's a little bit of salt on the ground. Next time you
1: sweep or you vacuum you get it up off the floor and yeah, you barely notice it until then i bet exactly so, um nice okay well word to the wise do your own pest <laughs> control save you some some, some money and bug a salt gun <laughs> all right and uh, let's move on let's mention the beer that we're having on the show this one is called hello world and it's by spyglass brewing and uh, this one was sent to us by listener gary he sent us monday's beer looking forward to having this one today and uh, we'll give our thoughts at the end of the episode but for now matt let's get on to the subject at hand we are of course tackling some credit score myths we're Busting them up And you know It made me think Like there are all sorts Of myths That have grown Into legends Over the years Over decades mm-hmm. The Loch Ness Monster Is one of those right uh, Paul Bunyan uh, UFOs Like do they exist Don't they uh, All sorts of Of uh, these like They're, th- they're just drones yeah. You know <laughs> <laughs> All of these things Have developed Outsized tales that make for interesting TV shows and they're fun to talk about maybe on a friday night over a nice craft beer with some of your friends just kind of well i don't know is it real or isn't it and it's same as maybe like the legend with the moon landing uh, being fake although i don't know that's just kind of less fun to talk about <laughs> and uh, a not so small contingent of americans they continue to believe in the existence of like a Sasquatch-like creature roaming the woods, but yeah, some have latched onto these tales. They've they've taken them as a hundred percent factual. And you know, while I don't have definitive proof that Bigfoot doesn't exist, it certainly doesn't match up with what my eyes have seen firsthand. And part of the the reason these myths persist is because there isn't documented evidence to the contrary, right? I mean, but credit score myths, on the other hand, well, they continue to exist despite hard evidence uh, mm-hmm. of their inaccuracies. And so that's why we're talking about this today. I mean, these these myths impact your finances in a real and ongoing way, so we've got to discuss them in a way that maybe your Bigfoot obsession uh, doesn't impact your day-to-day life. That's right, man. So and if it does, you've got a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to bust these myths up. And part of the reason, too,
0: that we're tackling this topic now is because of uh, the fact that March, it's National Credit Education Month. I bet you didn't know that. Oh, yeah. It's, There's a, a it's interesting a for, tidbit. There, there, is, everything. there really is a uh, Uh, for everything these days but there are also a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings out there about credit scores and these myths they lead folks to take just different paths, like incorrect paths toward their credit. It often impacts their score negatively, causing actual real side effects. And we want you to have a great credit score because it has such a wide-ranging impact. Living without a credit score would be tough in a modern society. And like, is that a good thing that we have to function with a credit score? Not necessarily. Uh, We're not huge fans of the credit bureaus and, you know, specifically their inability to keep our personal data secure. But it's kind of like we've been put down in a game that we just can't stop playing. I mean, you could stop playing, but you would have to need a pile of cash in order to truly avoid
1: the credit score system altogether in order to completely skirt it. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like, even if you want to be an entrepreneur at age 12, like, you still got to finish high school. I mean, it's 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 part of the process. And You don't have to. Your, your parents are going to get in big trouble if you don't, <laughs> right? I mean, it's... Um, Is there some law? Like, do you actually have to finish high school? No, I think you're going to get in big trouble if you drop out before um, before the age of 16. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think <laughs> I don't know what the actual rules are, but I'm pretty sure you got to go to school. And if like, any well, kids are listening, to go to school. I mean, you should.
0: Yeah. Like, I agree that that's pro- it's probably a good, healthy approach uh, to becoming a fully formed adult. But I'm pretty
1: sure the state can come after the I parents if if the kids come out. Uh, yeah, if they take them out of school and there's no sign that they're doing any sort of homeschooling. What kind of country are we living in, man? <laughs> I don't know. We might disagree on whether or not that's a reasonable thing, but uh, it's reasonable. But I feel like people should have a choice. Whatever. Let, <laughs> let's keep going. Let's. Don't take your kids out of school. They need I'm it. I'm not. Okay. They will
0: stay in school. Like my okay. kids are going to go to college, most um, likely too.
1: I worry for you. I want other people to have the choice. If, <laughs> if they choose not to, If they choose <laughs> to rip their kids out of school and just you know send them down the Jeff Bezos path. Um,
0: yeah, like a very what young if you age. Got a, genius, a genius kid, and they're able to take whatever remedial course or class where they're b- basically able to get the equivalent of a high school diploma,
1: of course, they should be able to do that, right? Okay, alright. Well, uh, let's <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk about what a good score is, because that it kind of sets up this question of like, well, what, what are we aiming to achieve here with, with our credit score? And You know, Matt, you just mentioned one way to avoid the system would be to have just a ton of money. Yeah, if you're loaded. Right? Like, you don't need a lender to approve you to buy a home if you've got five million bucks in the bank and you can go buy any home that you desire. But since most folks don't have that, most folks don't have that much money on hand. Um, especially these days, like to buy a home, it gets really expensive. Mm-hmm. In a car, same thing, right? Cars are not cheap. So uh, paying attention to your credit score is a must. But then the question is, like, what is a good score? And I guess, you know, we have to tackle that because, um, and, and it's actually kind of a difficult question to answer because there are different scales, like kind of like how we're talking about schools here, how some schools might have uh, an A scale an 88 could be considered an A I guess in some schools or a 90 I remember in high school when my grading scale changed and it used to be a 92 and up was an A and then they changed what? it to a 90 and up was an A Seriously? Yeah in the middle of high school that's and so weird. a couple of my my A's uh, have B-
0: always been 90 and above B's are obviously 80 C's are
1: No it's, it de- it depends on the school system and oh, that's so, so weird. I distinctly remember like two of my B's became A's all of a sudden my GPA got a little bit higher <laughs> And that so it's funny Similarly with credit scores some of these bureaus have just a different threshold. threshold for what's considered good or great. And so, yeah, uh, so the score that your lender sees when you're refinancing an auto loan, let's say, it can differ from the one you get if you were to get that score directly from the bureau and each bureau also has quite a few credit scores for you behind the scenes so it's yeah, they it's not different, even different models yeah like there's mm-hmm. this one score that you have for each bureau it's like they might have a dozen scores <laughs> for you based on different factors and so the score your lender sees when you're refinancing an auto loan let's say can differ from the one that you get if you were to get that score directly from the bureau and you know most of these scores are on a scale that goes up to like 850 or 900 And some folks are striving for a perfect credit score under each one of these models, and that's just a recipe for infutility. It's just completely unnecessary to strive for perfection. Basically, if your score is in the 740 plus range on any of these scales, that's good enough, and it will basically qualify you for the best terms for different loans you might need access to. Just remember that 740 or above is basically that a range of uh, where you're going to want to be in order to, yeah, get the best terms on all sorts of different lending products. Until they change the rules on you.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and get started busting up some of these credit score myths. By the way, do you remember the guys from Mythbusters back in the day? Like, that's sort oh, of the, yeah. uh, the inspiration for, you know, for the title of this episode, for was, all the I listeners like out there. That was one of those first hit reality style, C yeah. TV shows. Yeah. I, I, one of my favorite ones I remember was uh, they were like blasting cannonballs into a wall, um, and Interestingly, this was like one of the episodes where they screwed up and like they're out on out in the desert, like at a firing range or like like a bomb range, basically. And like the cannon like tipped up. And so the cannonball missed the wall and it went ricocheting off of like one of the hills and into a neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Super crazy. <laughs> uh nobody got hurt, but like I do remember they like crashed into some some dude's house. I think it like went through a van.
1: Pretty serious. Like And that's the day Mythbusters got canceled.
0: <laughs> no, they did like that was right in the middle of a run of seasons where they were crushing. I mean, it uh, probably made for good TV ratings. I think it did. <laughs> like that's the one I remember. Yeah. Was the one where there was an errant. Cannonball. I could not imagine seeing that in real life. Anyway, let's do some myth busting of our own. Uh, And the first one we wanted to share is that your credit score doesn't really matter all that much. And there's a good reason that we're starting with this one because we want to highlight the fact that your credit score is incredibly important. It affects so much more of your life than you realize. Uh, We just talked about the need for a credit score in modern society, but everything is going to cost you more if your credit score stinks. Lenders, they're gonna charge you uh, what's called a risk premium. If your score isn't great, but they also might decide not to lend to you at all if your score is in the dumps. And you might see to yourself, all right, that's fine. I'm not going to ever own a home. That's fine. Your credit score comes in play when you're renting a house too. <laughs> <laughs> Landlords, they're going to almost always run a credit check and that is going to impact your ability to get the place that you want. You know, if I'm choosing between two tenants, they both seem great. They both make the same amount of money. I've got to base my decision on something and the credit score can often tip the scales. A bad or non-existent credit score could also impact your ability to get home internet or cable, or it might require you to put down a deposit. You might even pay more for auto insurance if your score is low. Having a good, solid credit score
1: is not a trivial thing. Yeah, your credit score has an impact in so many areas of your life. And, and not only will a crappy credit score impact your ability to spend money, to take out a loan for to take on debt for something that you're looking to to buy, which let's be honest, maybe this is actually a blessing in disguise. Um, if Could you potentially keep you from spending more money, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you can afford to. Well, it can also hamper your ability to earn money, and you, yeah, your credit history can have an impact when you apply for some jobs, like in particular ones in finance, or let's say you're moving up to management level. Then um, there's a good chance your credit score comes into play here. Credit checks happen more. Often for these types of jobs where the stakes are higher, like when a security clearance is involved, or if you have access to a lot of money or sensitive information of your coworkers.
0: Yeah, I don't know this for a fact, but I got a feeling that, like, bank tellers, if you got a really, really, really crappy credit score,
1: like maybe you don't get that bank teller job where you're, you know, doling out the hundreds. Right. Yeah. (laughs) They might be like, sorry, go apply down the street at Target. Um, And so, yeah, you know, one study shows that 25% of HR managers are actually going to check your credit history during the hiring process, even though they won't be able to see your actual score in most cases. But here's the deal. Your score is influenced by what's on your credit report. So if they can take a look at your credit report, they kind of, in theory, can deduce what your score is. And that crummy credit report with lots of errors and issues on it is going to potentially affect your ability to get the job that you want. That's right.
0: All right. We've got more credit myths that need to be shellacked, and we'll get to all of those
1: right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough?
0: Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto adjust as you get closer to your goal.
1: Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.
0: All right, we are back and uh, we are busting up some of those different credit score myths, some that you may have heard of, some you may not have heard of before. Um, But let's get to our next one, which is checking your credit score hurts your credit score. I feel like this is one that's been around for a long time and you know like years ago the like credit scores were kind of like uh shrouded in secrecy like the the bureaus and the banks and the lenders they knew what our credit score was but we didn't it's sort of like credit scores were uh, were kind of like fight club right like the, the first <laughs> rule of credit score club is to not talk about your credit score. <laughs> you know, where, where you're fearing that just like an utterance might punish your score uh, where you would, you know, see
1: it drop significantly. Yeah, it's like almost like the, the thought police would come after you. Like, yeah. I thought about my credit <laughs> score and I kind of wondered what, what my point score, what yeah. total was. And like, it's like, no, if, if you even ask that question in your brain, they're going to take your score down a notch or two. It's almost like you're just better off just hoping for the best. Uh, but luckily, that's that's no longer the case. We all have access to our, our scores pretty much at every turn these days. But I truly remember when that wasn't the case because I distinctly remember... <laughs> One of the first credit cards I ever got was at uh, a bank that no longer exists called Washington Mutual. That went Wamu. It yeah, went down I in, in uh, <laughs> you know the Great Recession of the late two early two thousands there, two thousand eight, and basically. It was one of the first credit cards that made your credit score known to you on a monthly basis. They basically started the revolution of oh, did they? making credit scores widely uh, accessible. That's Discover did. Um, no, I think they came shortly after, and they've done a great job doing that. But Wamu was kind of that first bank where it was like, "Listen, uh, no annual fee credit card, but you get to know your credit score every month." And so, for you know, money nerds like me who wanted You're to, like, oh, sweet, yeah, I wanted, to, and there was no other place on the internet where, where I don't think this was before credit karma existed. This is before the internet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not, <laughs> not quite, but this is, this is before electricity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm definitely aging myself here, but it was kind of nice to have a credit score that would make that known to you. Yeah. And and you know, since then, obviously, it's gotten so much easier to stay on top and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I remember in those days where it was like herring to find out what your credit score was, and you like either had to find that one random credit card that would do it, or just kind of hope and pray <laughs> when you applied for a loan, we that your credit was in decent shape. or you just had to know somebody
0: on the inside. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it is important to know that there's a difference between a soft pull on your credit and a hard one. Hard pulls will hurt your score, but soft ones won't. And so if you're getting a mortgage on a car loan, the lender's going to run your, your credit, and that's considered a hard inquiry. That hard pull will ding your score. Score just a little bit, maybe like ten points. Unfortunately, like that's just the price of admission, though. After all, the you know the credit bureaus—they don't want to see you applying for new lines of credit uh, every chance that you get. Um, but on that note, some folks have come to believe that shopping around for a loan is going to hurt your score, and you know that's true—that uh, you will see an initial hit to your score. But that doesn't mean that if you shop with multiple lenders, that it'll send your score sinking even lower with every single time that you get a quote. The bureaus have it set up to where if you make multiple inquiries inside of a specific time window, uh, and typically that's two weeks, those like three or four or five credit polls, they're just going to count as a single poll. So don't freak out. Like we still want you to get multiple quotes because it's definitely the best way for you to get the lowest rate, but doing that within a timely manner, that's really important. Uh, And it's good for you to know that that will not hurt
1: your credit score. Yeah. And that two-week window is kind of the, the typical parameter used by some of the older credit scoring models, right? Um, according to Credit Karma, the newer scoring models, that uh, they treat multiple inquiries as a single pull as long as you make them. And they offer a much larger window of like 45 days, which is great. That's plenty of time to shop. (laughs) But unfortunately, as the end user, because some things are still shrouded in secrecy in the credit score, credit report arena, um, you don't know what scoring model the lender you're getting quotes from is using. So you don't know if they're going new school or old school. And so it's like, are you using the Vantage score Seven point six model, <laughs> right. and, and they're gonna look at you like, wait, what? Are you wait, are you using the FICO nine point one? Like, <laughs> which which model are you using? And yeah, they're like, go back to WAMU, Joel. Like, <laughs> get out of here, man. i be like, I can't. They don't exist anymore. Um, but yeah, basically, it's best to stick with the fourteen day window to be on the safe side. Just keep that um, as your rule of thumb when you're getting, let's say, quotes for you know a mortgage through a lender. Um, make sure you get all those quotes in that 14 days and you'll be fine. But on the other side of the spectrum, you checking your own score via your credit card company or through a site like Credit Karma isn't gonna have any impact on your score because that is what's known as a softball, it's different. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, you can check every single day if you want to, although that sounds like overkill and you might be a little bit too obsessed. But yeah, I think some people have that misunderstanding, Matt, that it's like, if I wanna know what my credit score is, I'm gonna have to pay the price and it's gonna hurt my credit score. And that is just not the case. You can check your credit score A whole lot, and it's not going to mess with you. It's only when those lenders are doing a hard pull in order to determine whether you have a level of credit worthiness where you can get that loan or not, that is when it's going to ding your score just a little bit.
0: That is right. Next, credit score myth having debt will hurt your credit score. And what's really interesting about this one is that the opposite of this is kind of true. Some folks, like, they don't even call it a, a credit score, they call it like a debt score. Which is, actually, it's slightly more accurate, even though it's kind of been used as a pejorative at times. Uh, But your score actually goes up. If you have a variety of different loans and credit cards, uh, as long as you're handling them all well, it pays to have a variety of debt, namely revolving debt. So that's like a credit card where you borrow money, you pay it back, and then you can borrow it again. And then installment debt, like a mortgage, where you borrow that larger lump sum, and then you slowly make payments on that over a longer period of time. So if you've just got, say, one credit card, but you don't have a student loan, you don't have a mortgage, even if you pay on time and in full every month, your score is not going to be to go as high as someone who has a greater variety
1: of debt yeah but at the same time you shouldn't necessarily go back and take out student loans for a degree you don't need just to improve your credit score that would be the wrong way to go about this foolish yes on that note by the way paying off one of your debts can actually hurt your credit score which is just kind of interesting (laughs) Um, let's say you've had a car loan for a few years and you finally make that last payment and you are so pumped, right? You're like, I no longer have to pay money towards this car. I own it free and clear, and what a beautiful feeling that is. And I promise Matt and Joel that I will never take out a car loan again. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which we expect that in writing into our email inbox. Uh, but you know, the, the one downside to that, and I don't want to make it sound like it's a huge downside, but your credit score might take like a 10 to 20 point hit in the aftermath of that loan no longer being on your credit report. It could negatively impact your score. And it sounds crazy, but it is actually true. And fortunately, that ding typically doesn't last all that long. And this is definitely not a reason to keep debt lingering around in your life past the point that you need to. Just like having a student loan uh, might actually help your credit score a little bit. Like, you don't want to go get one just because it's going to help your credit score. Well, just because paying off that car loan could negatively impact your score for a small period of time doesn't mean you don't want to pay it off. But it is smart to be aware because, you know, especially if you need to use that tip-top credit score uh, to get a loan for a big future purchase in the near future, you want to be careful about the timing of when you pay off yes, one of those exactly. big loans because yeah, if you're at 750. You pay that car loan off, you're at 730, and you're applying for a mortgage loan, that could impact yeah, the rate that you get on something you're going to be paying on for 30 years. Which sounds unlikely, I think, maybe to a
0: lot of folks as as they're sitting there, but like, no, that's kind of how money works, right? You get a big bonus at work, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and pay off. My car loan a little bit early. I've got six months left. Let's go ahead and uh, knock that out completely. And we've got enough money now to put a down payment on the house. Boom shakalaka! Like we're crushing it. Yeah. And then you find out that oh, I'm sorry, sir, you don't qualify for the uh, the top tier th- rates that really offer. that really nice rate. Or I'm sorry, ma'am, you actually are going to owe a little bit more on the fees associated with your loan. It's just something to keep in mind, just like Joel said. Yeah. Uh, it actually has a higher chance of happening than you think. And so another credit score myth that we wanted to mention. Carrying a balance will help boost my score. This one is sort of like the flip side of the coin from what we were just touching on, and a lot of folks have bought into this myth. You know, they're thinking, having a nice mix of debt, that's helping out your score. Uh, So maybe not paying your credit card balance off I should do the same thing, right? Yeah, it's like keeping that debt around to enhance your score. Yeah, that's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, Your monthly statement balance, it still gets reported to the credit bureau, but that doesn't mean that you should carry a balance and pay interest to the credit card companies instead. There's no need to neglect to pay it off. Uh, It's not going to help
1: you. It's only going to cost you money in interest. Yeah, but people just assume, well, let me... like. Let that balance linger. I'll pay a little bit of interest, but it's going to help my credit score. And that's just not true. I
0: think it's just oftentimes,
1: too, just folks just fooling themselves.
0: Yeah. Right. Because, like, maybe, like, deep down, you know, that that's probably not true, but you're thinking, no, you know, like, there's a chance maybe that might be the case. But no, like, do what you
1: need to do to make sure that you're paying your bills. Yeah. This is definitely one that people like to trick themselves on, or at least they get tricked by. They assume that, yeah, if I just don't pay it off in full, I might pay a little interest, but it's going to raise my score. And so it's all going to wash out in the end. Yeah. I need to work on my credit score, and so this is a way to do it. But in in reality, it has no bearing, and actually, it just hurts your personal finances if mm-hmm. you do that. All right, next credit score myth we we need to bust, Matt, is your banking affects your credit score. Well, that's definitely not true, right? Because uh, yeah, how much money you have in checkings or savings, it doesn't have any impact whatsoever on your credit score. It doesn't matter if you have two hundred grand in your savings account, like. That doesn't matter to the credit score people. They don't look at that. They don't care. That's right. So, yeah, it's it's very possible to have a great credit score, but be completely broke with nothing in the bank, even. Um, however, that doesn't mean right that cash on hand doesn't matter, and lenders will look at your total assets to determine if they're going to approve you for any new credit, but it doesn't have any bearing on your credit score, right? The amount of money that you have just chilling. And so it doesn't matter where you do banking either, right? Some people assume that the bank they do business with is reporting low account balances or, or lets the credit bureau know about an overdraft fee that gets incurred. And that's just not true. Um, that, that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't factor into your credit score, and it's not getting reported in any way to the credit bureaus. So just know that, yeah, the way you do banking, who you bank with, and some of those minor infractions that you might run afoul of, they're not going to impact your score in any way.
0: Yeah, the uh, credit bureaus, they don't care what you do with your money. Like, it's not <laughs> about your money. It's, it's about other people's money, right? Yeah. It's about the money that you've borrowed and whether or not you're paying that back, how you're handling that money. They don't care what you do with your money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's up to you. That's you and your business. So like, are you a good borrower or not? Are you a good saver? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Another myth we wanted to get to, uh, there's this one where you should hire someone to help fix your banged up credit score. Uh, we completely disagree with this one. There's nothing that someone on the internet claiming to help your score can do that you can't do for yourself. Oh, man. It there's is, so many bold audacious claims on the internet too, Matt. Yeah. Well... Yeah, you got to ignore all most <laughs> all, all those false headlines. Uh, it's This is just a waste of money, though. Uh, and oftentimes, it's an all-out uh, con or a scam. Uh, oftentimes, they're going to try to charge you an upfront fee, and then they end up not being able to deliver on the promises, uh, which often includes claiming to be able to remove that negative information from your credit report, even if that information is accurate. They cannot do that. That is not true. So
1: avoid anyone who says that they'll fix your score if you just pay them some money. And I think this is another just too-good-to-be-true sort of thing, right? Where people are like, oh, yes, if I don't pay my credit card balance, my score will magically go up. Or wait, if I pay this person, um, you know, 500 a 1000 bucks, my problem of a crummy credit score will quickly dissipate. It's going to be gone. But it's just like a get-rich-quick scheme. Like, yeah. the, the promises sound appealing, and when you're in that bind, you want things to get fixed and quickly. You want, and you want things to be easy. Yes. But in reality, that's not how it works. And basically, you're always swindled out of your money because... because... Because there is no way to just change your credit score overnight. Yeah, that's right. Just like you can't just take a pill and magically get fit. Like like (laughs) it takes
0: uh hard work, it takes discipline and really wish you could though personal responsibility. (laughs) But we'll talk more about how to raise your, your credit score and how you can do it without anyone else's help, and we'll get to all of that right after this break.
1: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances.
2: Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super-serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best-fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories—
1: All right, Matt, we, we got to talk about how people can heal their own credit scores without paying big bucks to scam artists on the internet. We'll get to that in just a second. I wanted to cover just one more credit score myth, and you know, maybe it isn't even a myth anymore, but you know, a, a question we've been asked on the show multiple times ha- has to do with the impact on your credit score by closing a credit card that you're not using. This mm-hmm. is something that there's still just a ton of confusion in that arena over, and this is important to cover because your credit score... It's composed of a number of factors, and, and really we should we should talk about that, because y- you might be hurting yourself on two of the main fronts if you cancel an older card. So some people, I, I get the impulse, they want to cancel a card because they just paid off and then balance their credit card debt-free, and what they want to do is get it out of their life. Or, <laughs> and, or and maybe they're
0: like Marie condoing their life, and they're just yeah, like, I
1: want just to simplify, simplify and it, and we're cleaning house. Close, 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 and then they find out- Throw this out away, throw this away. Their credit score Which takes- a beating, right? Yeah. And that's because first of all, the age of your credit matters. Um, so the longer you've had the card, the more it's helping your score. And yeah, if you cancel it, <laughs> that's going to that's going to impact you negatively. Also, credit utilization is an important term that you've got to be familiar with. Basically, the bureaus want you to have a lot of available credit, but to be using very very little of it Uh, basically it shows restraint which makes you look like a better borrower it's like oh look at uh look at jack over there or look at jill over there it's like they have just so much credit access but they use so very little of it they must be an astute borrower who doesn't get in over their head so yeah instead of canceling a card we would suggest keeping it open even once it's paid off in full, which is what we suggest. Like, we don't want you to have any credit card debt ever. But um, yeah, use it every couple of months. Continue to pay it off on uh, in full and on time. And that card is going to keep helping you out even if you found maybe better rewards and perks with another card, or you're like, listen, I'm just out of credit card debt altogether, and I don't even want to be bothered by, by this thing anymore, still, you can still cut it up, or you can still stick it in the freezer, whatever you need to do, but what you don't want to do is call the credit card company and cancel that card altogether. That's right, and you mentioned too, using
0: a card, like maybe every couple months to kind of keep that line active. I'll mention that I've got at least three cards that I never use. They are cards that I have... Uh, laid to rest, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, and I only use them, one, like literally, I think once a year now. And that, at least in my case, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, but in my case, I've been able to keep those accounts open by literally only using those cards once a year. Uh, and that is a city card, a discover card, and a Capital One card. Yeah. Uh, and so it may not even take you using it every couple of months. But it also, too, I mean, it kind of depends on how many lines of credit you have, right? So if you've got, I don't know, I mean, if you've got 12 credit cards, if there's one that you just really want to get rid of, maybe specifically if it has, especially if it has an annual fee and you're not getting any value from that card that account would be a great candidate to close. First of all, you've got multiple lines of credit already, and so it's not like you're going to be significantly reducing your card utilization. But again, the fact that you're paying ninety, potentially 95 bucks a year, whatever the annual fee is, you need
1: to make sure that you're actually getting that value from that card if you're going to be paying that. Exactly. I think that is one of the only reasons. I think I have an article up on the site about when and how you should go about canceling a credit card. It's, it's We'll put that in the show notes. But I think, Matt, the, the one other thing you could do if you have a credit card with an annual fee, is you can call your credit card company up and say, hey, can you actually um, transfer me to another credit card yeah. that has no annual mm-hmm. fee with the same the same issuer? And oftentimes they'll do that. And so it re- retains that credit history, um, but you still get rid of that annual fee that's kind of pesky. Exactly.
0: Yeah. They're happy that you haven't completely lost your allegiance <laughs> to them as a company. Yeah. Uh, and you are happy because you're not having to fork over that money for no value in return. And so, you know, we, we also want to make sure that you don't feel the need to obsess over your credit score. You touched on this earlier, Joel, but like it's an an important part of your personal finances. It's worth keeping tabs on, but it is possible to be too attentive to your credit score. Uh, And so we want you, if this is you, we want you to limit, your, (laughs) the amount of time that you're giving it, like maybe just check it once a quarter in order to know, you know, what your score is looking like. You can even just set a calendar reminder for yourself. Uh, It it is important because a dinged credit score can tip you off to something that you might not be aware of that might have been added to your credit report, maybe even by mistake. Discovers Credit Scorecard, Credit Karma, they're two of our favorite sites for checking your credit They'll even give you a peek under the hood of your credit score to see what might be causing the problem. Uh, You'll find some helpful education tools there as well. And studies have shown that just knowing your score is an important step towards improving it. So that awareness, it goes a long way towards doing the work to make it better. But we don't want it to be something that you're checking every single morning, like before you <laughs> check your email. Like right. it doesn't need to
1: be a part of your routine. Yes, no, I completely <laughs> agree. I think that the diagnostic feature, though, of those websites is really helpful because if you're saying, OK, I see what my credit score is. It's not in the best spot. I really want to raise it to that 740 plus level that Matt and Joel were talking about. How do I get there? Well, you'll see the areas that are holding you back and it might be length of credit history that might be one of the biggest things or it might be on-time payments which if you've had a few of those those are going to hurt your credit score in a big way those will over time fall off but there are all these little things that you can see as you're looking at that that uh diagnostic toolkit on those sites where where you can know where to focus your efforts on how to make your credit score better and i think um yeah you're not don't pay anybody money right to do something that they can't actually do but when you look at that and you figure out what's holding you back then you can address it with how you handle your credit in the future totally and here's the thing if you do check your credit score and you find out that it's taken a hit well then make sure to pull your credit report from the site annualcreditreport.com and I kind of alluded to this earlier, Matt. That the credit report and the score are two different things. The report kind of lists out all the things that are happening with your credit, and the score gives you like a numerical reading of what your you know what's basically on that report. And so, if there are any errors, you're going to want to make sure to file a dispute directly with the with the credit bureau where that issue lies. And so, yeah, something like one in four credit reports contains an error. So there's no need to stress if your report has something fishy on it. It's not like you are an anomaly. Um, a lot of people have, have this issue. Sadly, um, the bureaus, they don't do an amazing job at responding to those disputes. Uh, their track record has only gotten worse over the past couple of years. And yeah, here we would say that's not right. Um, the credit bureaus need to do a better job. And it is borderline infuriating that they have the powers that they have to amass all the data on us that they do and then to package and sell our credit scores um, without actually having to verify that the information is accurate but here's the thing you've got to be the squeaky wheel in order to get that error fixed because the credit bureaus they're big behemoths and yeah you've got to be like that little david beating up a goliath in order to get um, change actually to happen to make sure your credit score reflects accurately the truth about what's happening with your credit. That's right. And by the way, real quick,
0: annualcreditreport.com. You can still go there. Like They should call it weeklycreditreport.com <laughs> <laughs> because at, like it was the middle of the pandemic when they switched to you being able to get all three reports for free every single week. Um, but I hope that becomes normal forever. Well, things haven't changed yet, but it's set to go back uh, in the middle of April to reset. And so those free weekly reports are running out. So if, if that's something you haven't done yet, now would be a great time to go ahead and get Get in there, get all three before the usual rules come back to play. But but like you're saying, Joel, like we're not big fans of the credit report, the, the scoring system as it stands, largely because of the propensity for the errors that you were just talking about and the reality that the credit bureaus like they could care less about the errors themselves or helping you to resolve them because again you are not the customer uh they are selling your data to their actual customers you are the data yep but those errors they can prevent folks from getting loans you know even sometimes getting jobs but credit scores are a reality that we all have to deal with um not paying attention to your credit score or pretending that it doesn't exist that's going to eventually have a negative impact on your life you're not going to be able to qualify for home loan that you really want or you know maybe you won't qualify for the best interest rate at least uh increasing the monthly cost of that mortgage you can hate the game but it is still smart to play it like even when the rules of the game are changing like even buy now pay later that is starting to become something that is getting incorporated into credit scores it's something that we all need to be aware of we need to know how to play the games even if we're not the biggest fan of the game
1: yeah, so let's give a few final tips just kind of maybe... Uh, to, to sum it up? Yeah, like well, h- <laughs> how are just a few ways if we were going to give you just uh, three or four suggestions on how to improve your credit score the most quickly, right? Um, so what were your big takeaways from this interview? With the least effort. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I would say... That kind of thing. One thing, of course, is to pay your bills on time right yeah. um, and the if you don't do that that is going to ding your credit more than anything else um, late pays or not paying are going to yeah be the worst reflection on you as a borrower and they're gonna crush your score and a, a single missed payment Matt uh, can lop a hundred points off of somebody's credit score um, so yeah use that smartly pay off your debts as you've agreed to basically you don't want to get in over your head don't kid yourself into thinking that um, taking on a big car loan <laughs> is is smart just because it's going to give your score a bump. Um, that's mm-hmm that's um, a bad move. Intelligently using a few different credit cards each month to pay for your needs and then paying those balances in full is helpful. And then don't close those accounts. So yeah, you want access to these varied kinds of credit, but only credit that you can handle, only credit that you can use wisely. And yeah, credit cards are a portion of those. Using them intelligently is going to help your score. Having seasoned credit in your possession is a good thing too, right? Like we said, the longer you've had some of those credit products are around in your life especially some of those credit cards that you've had for a decade plus it's like you, you don't want to get rid of that um, because that is having a helpful impact on your credit score and 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 then Matt for, for somebody out there who says I've got a really bad score and you know I can't even get a credit card right now well um, if your credit score is in really poor shape, we would recommend a site like self.inc. And that's our favorite place for people to turn. They have these credit builder accounts, and they're a great way to quickly build up your score through a credit builder loan. So that's one of the first things we would recommend. That's one of the best places to go to be able to quickly start jump starting your score. Um, But yeah, we actually did an episode specifically for people who have a rough or or busted up credit score, right? Episode uh, 113, if you want to dig back into the archives and listen To that one. Okay, yeah, we'll link that in the show notes as well. But yeah, there are different tactics that you're going to want to take if your credit score is already just completely in the dumps. Um, But again, this is one of those things that you can do, and you do not need the help of some faux internet professional um, to get you to where you need to be. That's right.
0: And by the way, if you have kids and you want them to reach adulthood and have a, a great credit score, it's actually pretty easy to get them started off on the right foot. One of the best ways to accomplish this is to make them an authorized user on on one of your credit card accounts but not give them an actual card. That's the trick. You don't want your... (laughs) 8-year-old, <laughs> I guess, running around with a credit card. Uh, but this assumes that you have and you continue to have and maintain good credit. But the credit bureaus, they're going to see your child with access to that good credit you know, themselves. And it will, by association, inflate their credit worthiness. It's a nice little, nice little tip, nice little hack. We've talked about this sh- yeah. uh, maybe on the show. Was it like a year ago? Maybe a year and a half ago? And I haven't checked my kid's credit. But at that point in time, I added my kids to one of my cards. They're still on that card. I still use that card. And pay it off on time in full.
1: Uh, so I'm guessing they've got pretty stellar credit. I think they say their prayers every night, like, please, Lord, let Daddy pay his credit card bill, in full <laughs> so he doesn't <laughs> hurt my credit now. But no, you're right. Like that is one of those things that uh, you you can do for your kids, and it can be really helpful for. It's it's like a nice little service you can do, starting them off on the right foot yeah, with, with their bonus. credit. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to ask you one one question here at the end because. I think um, right now, credit scores still matter a great deal in our society, right? And it's one of those things that we're saying that... You kind of can't get around. You have to pay attention to it. It's part of the, the game, the personal finance game that we all play. And so you just have to be ready to suit up and do your best. That's but um, yeah, do you think that credit scores in their current iteration are... I think. G- uh, okay. Yeah. You know, like you're diving into the fiction now. Yeah, the possibilities. I, I only deal in facts, <laughs> 10 years <laughs> in the future, will credit scores play as big of an impact in our personal finance lives as they do today? They, I mean, uh, they do now. I, I
0: think as different apps... Come online, like basically all. I feel like all the different uh, finance apps are in an arms race, right, to get as many customers as possible. Whether that's initially uh, an app that allows you to transfer money to your friends very easily because they have that app as well, and then all of a sudden, guess what? Oh, you can buy a Bitcoin with that app. So you, <laughs> now, all of a sudden, now you can transfer money, you can save in that app, and you can also quote unquote invest. Uh, the next thing that, that a lot of these apps and you know money management platforms, I think, are allowing their customers to do is then borrow money. Which, guess what? If they know all of your transactions and they have your history, I could see them not necessarily needing to go to the credit bureaus and get an actual credit report or credit score from them. Uh, So it depends, I guess, on what the future of the different finance apps look like. That is one path forward, but I'm not going to say that that's where we're going. I'm just kind of, I'm laying out the future. Like, <laughs> this could happen, or this could happen, right. uh, but I'm not going to necessarily say that that will happen, but do you disagree? Like, you, you seem less optimistic
1: about the future of credit I, scores. I think people are so fed up and frustrated with the credit bureaus, something's going to give at some point, and I think we've already seen alternative Are models. they fed up,
0: or do people just not care? Right? Like, like when there's a data breach, I mean, and the, the, 50 million people have, uh, <laughs> have their social security just floating around out there in the dark. Uh, 150 million. 150? Uh, <laughs> like, people well, don't care. Well, they drew the top they, they still have the same passwords that they've used for five years. Uh, you included. <laughs> <laughs> I know some of your passwords
1: and I'm, I'm always like, I'm pretty sure I can guess. You're going to try to break what, into my accounts. What your new Netflix password <laughs> is. Okay, well, I'll say this. I, I think that, uh, that you know, they get the highest complaints of when it comes to scam attempts. That is true. Or when it comes they, they to... get shut down. And I think that some folks in the, in the government have already floated the idea that maybe um, a centralized control of credit scores could take place, some sort of government-run system. Ooh. I don't know if that would be better, because <laughs> like, uh, the Somewhat not really privatized, you know, system we have right now isn't working very well either. Um, but I could see just uh, you know, companies making decisions based on some of your other public profiles, um, so how you act on social media, and maybe um, oh my gosh, going to I know, this but all I think sounds terrible. It's already happening to a certain <laughs> extent. I'm curious to see what happens over the next ten years, I, but
0: so, it's interesting. So you see it maybe going t- t- towards a more centralized, you know, mechanism, either but, more but, centralized or completely decentralized. I see it being more decentralized with these independent Different companies who are setting up shop yeah. uh, with either within an app or just within, within a site. I but think I it's think more
1: likely, and they start to communicate to each other when they need like some respective information to kind of f- fill out all the sure. dots on I could see that, an yeah. application that you've totally. you know, that you submitted. That definitely feels less big
0: brother, you know. I mean, come on, the, f- the future is on the blockchain anyway, so like that's, <laughs> that's the direction we're going. But that's going to be it for credit scores, dude. Let's talk about this beer for this episode. This was Hello World by Spyglass Brewing Company, uh, sent to us by Gary. What were your thoughts on this beer? All right, so... I think this was
1: maybe even a touch better than Monday's beer.
0: Oh, really? It's hard to say that, I but... Thought I thought you were going to say that uh, that this one wasn't as good, because I thought this one was a touch sweeter. Okay. It was a little bit sweeter, uh, you're right. It was like a little more juicy, a little more, yeah, like, I don't know, just juicy is the, yeah, the word that you popping right. up
1: in my head. But I, I don't know, man, I really enjoyed both these beers. They were both really, really different examples of hazy IPAs having different hop profiles. It is just amazing the way that different hop varieties mixed together can create just a completely different profile. And it always surprises me where I'm like, wait, no fruits used in this? Or wait a second, it was just like two different hops. And that completely changed like, <laughs> the flavor profile. But hops are just so um, versatile. And so this beer just kind of showcased a different kind of hop that had a distinctly different uh, flavor profile. But yeah. Gary just sending us some slammer beers awesome this week, stuff. man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which, by the way, so you saying, oh, there's no fruit in this beer? Makes, takes me back to one of the beers that we said that on, which was Woodland Pursuit. That was a Humble Forger beer, and it turns out I did look it up, and in fact, it did have fruit in it oh, on, the, on the can. They don't want to advertise it. Yeah, on the can, it didn't say anything about fruit anywhere on the can, but when you go on, go to the uh, the website or you know go to the brewery, it actually was a fruited, uh, I believe it was a fruited IPA. Okay, because that, that one, one was Woodland, definitely... Woodland Pursuit, it was crazy, off-the-chain fruit, and you and I were just like... Racking our brains. Like, how is this how possible? Were they able to pull that kind of fruit flavor out of this beer without any actual fruit and only with the hops? Uh, I don't think that's what's going on here. This this tastes like a classic hazy double IPA. And I wanted to point out too the the uh, the label for this one I love. It's uh, black background, green MS DOS print. It reminds me a lot of one of our favorite local breweries here halfway crooks for sure where they're kind of going with like that i don't know what do you call it like nerd (laughs) sheep or or something like that but halfway crooks they've combined uh like the old world with like sheep and the european tradition of pilsners and loggers sounds weird but they do it well And combined it with the nerdery of ms dos in the early computer days which funny enough i mean that's just that's the perfect blend of the two dudes that started that brewery yeah because one of them is from belgium Joran, and the other owner uh, is Sean. He's from Georgia Tech. So <laughs> It's another one of the reasons why we love that brewery so much. So yep. if you haven't, just right now, just search Halfway Crooks and just check out their merch. We think it is just the dopest stuff around. And I feel bad because we should be talking about Spyglass, but instead <laughs> we're talking about one of our favorite local a breweries.
1: S- a similar aesthetic. And a
0: similar aesthetics uh, on this beer. You'll see in the picture
1: of this uh, label why we're talking Can about you compare one something one. that you've just experienced to something that you love and consider to be... Excellent. I feel like that is the highest compliment you can pay. It's a good sign. So, Spyglass rocks. Thank you, Gary and company for sending this one our way. We appreciate it. And Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. For folks who want uh, the show notes, links to some of the things that we mentioned on this episode, just go to our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. So, that's going to be it. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.